Okay, well, good morning. We're glad you tuned in one more Saturday for WNZN Radio coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio. At least usually we come to you from Lorraine, Ohio yeah. before this COVID hit. But we are happy that you tuned in. This is 89.1 FM radio, power radio coming to you. And uh, as usual, you know, we've been having a lot of special guests on day. Yes, uh, yeah. And so I'm here now in the recording uh, with some special guests I want to introduce you to. But before I do, I'm here with my good friend, Assistant David. David, Great Abu. to be here, John. Great to be here with you. And this is somebody I want to introduce that you heard on the radio, mm-hmm. I'm thinking three years ago, maybe it was four years ago, we had a special guest, David Hill, uh, also known as Nico. He's going to explain how he got that, uh, that uh, yeah. name. Uh, comes originally from California, but he's going to explain in his testimony all about his background. And also, we have Ed Carrion. Hello. Good morning. God bless. Good to have you with us also, Ed. And so we want to get right into this show. And again, um, if it was live, we could have you call in. I'm sure you'd have many questions to ask, but it's not live. But you're going to be hearing this. And uh, God willing, you'll probably be hearing more about these guys in the future with their ministry in Northeast Ohio. So, David, uh, why don't you open and maybe just give a little overview of David Hill and what he's been involved in, where he comes from, and sure. that kind of a thing. Sure. So it's David Nico Hill. Uh, David was raised in an abusive home and escaped uh, to the world of martial arts. This world eventually brought him fame as a pioneer in MMA fighting in the USA, Brazil, and Russia. He also was part of 35 action films, including Bloodsport 2, Fist of Iron, Deathmatch. He also had his own television show on Boom TV. Today, he preaches from pulpits to prisons. His mission is Christ's vision, to reclaim the territory from the enemy and restore it back to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He delivers a powerful message of hope, salvation, and deliverance for the lost, broken, and spiritually blind. David also wrote a book entitled Called from the Abyss. A full-length feature film based on his life story is currently in production called Beautiful Scars. Okay, thanks, yeah. David. That's a good intro. And so David David Hill, we got David Abu, we got David Hill. Um, well, I'm going to turn it over to you. Good to have you guys with Thank us, you. David Thank and you. Ed. And Thank David, why don't you just fill in the blanks a little bit, um, kind of like, not at the very beginning, but kind of like right before you came to accept Christ as your Savior, you came to accept Jesus. And how did that happen? And then how did the God open these doors that you really felt called to ministry, particularly ministry to those that are in bondage or maybe in prison or uh, these kind of uh, kind of somewhat unique uh, ministry the Lord has placed on your heart? You know, as David read the intro, uh, it reminded me of how now that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Mm-hmm. So nothing that he said brought joy, mm-hmm. brought peace. Mm-hmm filled that hole in my heart. Um, The generational curses of murder, suicide, child abuse, drug addiction, alcoholism, witchcraft um, was very prevalent in my life. I did sing Jesus Loves Me This I Know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did believe in God. Mm -hmm. But I went about as far away from God as any human being could ever travel and right before God called me out of that pig pen of sin he started to break through the chaos and the drug addiction (coughs) and the alcoholism and the spiritual solitary confinement by the enemy that I had placed myself in Mm -hmm by dropping words of poetry. And I would go out at night and there would be rappers and there would Mm -hmm. be people that were out there drinking and doing drugs and I never went anywhere during the day. Mm -hmm. And it would take me sometimes months to finally put one together. So if the people that are listening could imagine a 100,000 piece puzzle or 500,000 piece puzzle and you are obsessed within being bipolar and 5150 and ADH and OCD 
and cutting yourself and hating yourself mm -hmm. after being a celebrity and a world-class athlete. Um, in that environment, uh, obsessed with putting these pieces together without a box top mm. cover. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea, John and David and Ed, that what God was doing was preparing me for ministry. Mm -hmm. Preparing me to be bold about compassion, love, forgiveness. Uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Right. So at my darkest time, um, I had already made the decision that I couldn't get high anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if the listeners have ever done drugs or alcohol, but we do them for an escape. Mm -hmm. We do that for a crutch. We do that. It might start out fun, and, and, and it might start out, you know, partying, and then there's an escape, but it goes into a very dark, lonely, deep place of self-hatred. Right. And you start to blame everyone, and you very rarely take the blame on yourself until when you do and you realize that that shame you can't live with anymore. That jacket of pain and, and, and the shackles and the chains that the enemy will place around you right. um, because he is the father of all lies. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in that environment where I couldn't get high, I couldn't get drunk, but the demonic the demonic feeling and, and the, the brokenness and the hopelessness and the confusion was was overbearing. So I said, I can't do this anymore. So at the point to where I was either going to get a gun or slip my wrist, um, the voice that I had known so well because of my whole life dropping words of love and compassion and forgiveness and, and, and can you hear me now? Mm, true. Um, uh, said to me, die on the floor, my son, or walk out the door. It, 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 it's, it's your mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. But if you do, your legacy is not Nico the Dragon, mm -hmm. who was one of the pioneers of MMA fighting, who fought in Russia and the United States and Brazil and 35 movies and your own TV series on Boom and, you know two failed marriages and all these women and all these abominations and all this darkness in the city of Hollywood. How old were you then, David? I was, um, I want to say John was about 38. About 38. Right. So 15 years of my life, um, say from late, late middle 30s all the way to 49 okay. is when I, 49 years old. Uh, the tr transition, I, the yes, transformation sir. was taking place. Yes, okay. sir. So, um, he said, but then those demonic spirits will have that legal right in the spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. You know all about flesh and blood, cage fighting, kickboxing, that's martial what, arts. That's what you were into. You know that world. Right. But I'm talking about spiritual warfare that you have no idea about the principalities and the strongholds. Sure. And the governments. And um, that will have the legal right to continue to to take over your family. And uh, I just imagine my brains all over the wall and my two little nieces coming in who are very impressionable age. Sure. Um, 11 and 9 years old uh, and see that. And I just couldn't live with that. Mm -hmm. So all, all the beatings, all the molestation, everything I went through as a child and I, even as a younger adult, an adult, um, I just couldn't put that on him. I just mm -hmm. couldn't do it. So I made the choice to to uh, to walk out that door. And I'm not going to say it's been easy. And I'm not going to say it hasn't been with uh, without wilderness experiences. But God will meet you where you're at. He will take you where you need to be. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And uh, he does keep his promises. So how did you, how did that happen? I mean, you came to that point where you accepted Jesus. Mm -hmm. Was there somebody in your life, or did you hear something, or what walked you? But I mean, before I came to the Lord, I mean, I was 
raised in church and that. Then I went overseas during the Vietnam War. And I, I, I knew God was real. I knew Jesus was, but I didn't know how to appropriate that. I didn't know what it meant in John chapter 1 to as many as received him. But it was Jesus' people in 1970 that led me. What, what brought you into that knowledge of, oh, this is how I receive Christ, or this is how I appropriate the free gift of salvation? Well, John, you know very well what a covenant is. Uh-huh. And, uh, promise, a prom- yeah, covenant is a, a sacred promise. contract. Uh-huh. A sacred contract, it's providential, mm-hmm. right. written before the foundations of this world, mm-hmm. even before we were in our mother's womb. So I just cried out. I said, God, if it's been your voice my entire life, and if you will give me a roof over my head, food in my stomach, and peace of mind, I will continue to tell people about you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I went to seminary. Um, not right away. It was still on the streets, still mm-hmm. hustling. still, True. But no more drugs, no more alcohol. Sharing Jesus whenever I could. You know, and um, it was a natural progression to, to going to a, a school for, uh, for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And that's when God really got a hold of me. And then um, several pastors got together after a long time of prayer and opened up an opportunity for me to go out and share. And they told me it would be three months and there'd be three rules. One, don't touch the women. Two, don't touch the money. And three, it wasn't about you in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if you can stay in that (coughs) arena, then... um, you're in. We're going to give you a chance. You're going to support you. And that lasted six and a half years. Oh, You know, it's interesting what you just said about those three things. Yeah. When I was at Bible school, we had an old preacher. He says, if you're going into the ministry, you have to watch out for three Gs. He says, girls, gold, and glory. Yeah. There you he go. He goes, well, yeah. avoid, yeah. avoid. And the yeah. worst of all could be pride. You know, oh. when you get built mm-hmm. up and look what God's yeah. doing. You know. yes. So what you said resonated with me when I was yeah. there. Yeah, it was interesting. And, it, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, you're, you went from the platform of acting in Hollywood and oh. movies and fighting to the platform of, of, of being an evangelist or mm-hmm. being a, yeah. a, an outreach pastor, sure. you know, or being a minister or being a chaplain or being a reverend or whatever title they want to give you. And um, what they don't understand is um, it's about being humble. It's about being transparent. Mm-hmm. It's about being honest. It's about um, being obedient. It's about sacrificing. It's about saying, send me and I will go. So, David, about you've been predominantly going into prisons and jails. Would you say that's the bulk of your ministry? When I started ministry, John, I went to the most conservative churches. Mm-hmm. I think I've told you this before. I was baptized an Adventist. Mm-hmm. I was taken in by the Pentecostal Victory Outreach, mm-hmm. Aggie Barajas, Sonny Argazzoni, you know, Nikki Cruz across in the switchblade. Oh, sure. And uh, I did an internship there. And then after being launched by them and ministering in many different places, uh, I was all the time I was going to prisons and juvenile halls and detention camps, ministries like the Chosen Generation and other ministries um, that, you know, God, when we walk ordered steps, it's a narrow path. Mm -hmm. And on that narrow path, we gather the fruits of the Spirit, we put on the form of God, which we never take off, and we allow Him to be the light where we stand and the lamp and the Word unto our feet. And so, yeah, you know, um, I just kept walking, stayed humble, learned a lot mm-hmm. um, from the very conservative, the legalistic, the self-righteous, the sure. pious, mm-hmm. the legalistic, to the very uh, you know, prayerful, uh, Holy Spirit-filled, uh-huh. inspired. And then I was um, actually at a Bill Glass ministry event where I was preaching on a platform as one of their guests. And uh, one of the pastors said, you know, the Lord put this on my heart. I've been watching you. I've been vetting you for many, many years. Mm. And I'm a pastor, and uh, I have a church in uh, in um, Hawthorne, California, mm. called Ocean Gate Baptist. He goes, uh, the Lord told me I want to ordain you. So I'll make this very short, but <laughs> I need to say this. Um, they put me through a lot of studies and, you know, a lot of mm. things for theology sure. to make sure that 
you know, you weren't just going to go out there and rap and do spoken word. Sure. You know, you were going to actually come from the Holy Bible, which is the only word that accomplishes what it sets out to do and never returns void. So um, nothing that we say is redeeming or transforming. Um, and I said, okay, I prayed about it. And then I was already ministering all over Texas mm -hmm. and all over the country, and Teen Challenge and Dream Center, and Victory Outreach and <clears throat> Salvation Army and um, all different type of churches mm -hmm. and denominations. And uh, I prayed about it and I, he said, well, I have to get my senior pastor's approval. And um, his senior pastor had planted over 500 churches mm. across the country and around the world. And uh, he actually drove in from Palmdale, and we sat down, and mm -hmm. we talked. And uh, I said, you know, I have a very unique ministry. It's very transformative. It's very disruptive, but it leads to deliverance and salvations. I'm just a beggar showing another beggar where the bread mm -hmm. of life is. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, my, my spiritual son... He said that you're the one. You're the one. He said, so uh, what What can we do for you? I said, well, I said, if you're going to ordain me, you have to do it before I go to Texas. Mm -hmm. He said, when you leave for Texas? I said, this week. He said, you want me to ordain you before you leave for Texas? I said, yes, sir, because I don't know if I'm coming back. Because tomorrow is promised to no one. Mm -hmm. Today is the day of our salvation. Mm -hmm. So... He said, well, I need to go home and pray about it. So then he came back and he called me and said, the Lord put on my heart. Oh, cool. I heard from the Holy Spirit. And uh, so That's great. they did the ordination, <laughs> right? We didn't do the celebration. We did the ordination. Right. When I left, I ministered all over. Came back and the pastor said, are you sitting down? I said, why? He said, he said David, he said, um, the day after you went to Texas, the pastor that did the ordination, my senior pastor, mm -hmm. my spiritual father, he passed away. Oh. So he said, so your ordination is going to be memorial as well. Mm -hmm. So that's how we know God's timing is perfect. That's right. Did you have a question, David? No, I did want No, uh, no, did just, I, I like the, where we're headed with this, so, yeah. Okay. okay. So now, I just want to keep yeah. the audience, so they, yeah. so now... <laughs> You've been recognized, ordained. You're doing predominantly prisons and, and, and going in. From pulpit to penitentiary, I like to say. Well, from pulpit to penitentiary, that's go. good. Okay, Here's that's your good. your first rap, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I've known you, you know, and yeah. we've been involved. Yes, you have. So what comes to my mind, I want to get back on your story, but in Mark chapter 4 and 5, it tells when Jesus goes across Galilee, mm. encounters a storm, he gets off, and he's in, a, in, a, in this region called the Gadara, and there's a man in a cemetery, bound up, self-destructive. He's cutting himself, demon-possessed. <clears throat> Nobody wants anything to do with him. Yeah. Jesus delivers him. It says he's in his right mind, fully clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Go tell your friends what yes. great things the Lord has done for you. Jesus gets back in the boat and goes back. So he goes through a storm mm -hmm. to reach me or you, David, or Andrew. That we're in, living in a cemetery, dead in our trespass and sins, demon-possessed, self-inflicting wounds. But then it changed. And I love that story because it applies to so many of us. I mean, it Absolutely. applies to me. It applies to you, David. Oh, yeah. But the love That's of Jesus to go through a storm of suffering, not yes, to reach sir. the mayor or a celebrity, mm -hmm. or but it's like the worst of the worst. And then he commissions them. Yes. And the guy's got a purpose and a life. But anyhow, I just wanted to bring that up. John, since you did bring that up, that 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 uh, story is heavy on my heart. Mm. And um, you know, you mentioned fully clothed and in your right mind, mm -hmm. and then going to Decapolis. Yes, is where he ten cities, right? And and Jesus didn't say yes or no. He said go. Mm -hmm. He said go. And um, you know, the sad thing is about the people that were in the village that were raising the pigs, mm -hmm. that were sacrificing their children, that were worshiping demonic spirits and the man that had a legion of demons yeah there, right after they saw the miracle they asked jesus to leave yeah exactly because he cost yeah. them money because the pigs when the demons entered into the pigs mm -hmm. after the demons begged jesus mm -hmm. to put them in the pigs 
rather than put them in the abyss. Yeah, right. But the pigs could not live with the demons. Yeah. Yeah. So it bears the question, how can a human being yeah. live with a demon mm-hmm. when a pig can't? Mm. And I like to say when the pigs went into the abyss and drowned, that uh, that was the world's first deviled ham. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So now you came to Northeast Ohio when? It was just four years ago. Yes, I originally came to Northeast Ohio. Um, I want to expedite this. I was preaching in Texas. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman named Howard Schultwalter happened to be there. Never met him before in my mm-hmm. life. Um, I was actually preaching with John Arroyo, who had just uh, recently, before that, sometime before that, survived the Fort Bragg attack. Where he was actually shot and lived through it. And we were there as special guests to speak to probably, oh, I don't know, maybe a thousand people that uh, were homeless, and then maybe three, four hundred that actually were there in the actual area to speak to them. And um, I guess Howard was there, and uh, he heard the message that the Holy Spirit had given me. And uh, he saw the people hit their knees with tears in their mm-hmm. eyes confessing Jesus as Lord and um, accepting them into their heart. But, you know, John, real quick, I wanted just to add to that. As the maturation of the ministry and the maturity of the ministry on this mission that we are chosen for, um, it's not just the salvation, but it's the plugging them in Mm -hmm. to making sure that those seeds are not on hard ground, right, that right. The, that that the, that the soil is deep. That not, your fruit might remain. John 30, chapter 60, fifteen. Yeah, right. Fold. Not not rocky. You know, no. not with thorns. You sure. Know, not shallow, but deep, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. And and I've learned that along the way. Um, so when Howard was there, he said, "Listen, I've I've heard all these different speakers and all these different evangelists. I have had my own ministry for fifty years." But I've never felt or experienced the Holy Spirit the way I just did. Mm-hmm. And I would like for you to come to uh, Northeast Ohio, okay. where he has um, harvest ministries. Right, okay. So um, after I vetted him for a minute, he made sure, you know, he was who he said he was and spoke to people that uh, were involved in my ministry in California at the time. I made the choice to, to fly out to Northeast Ohio. And uh, what I found in Northeast Ohio was... A little bit louder. uh, What I found in Northeast Ohio was people that were hardworking, people that were God-fearing, and people that knew that we have a problem when it comes to opiate and heroin overdoses, slavery sexual slavery, abductions, as well as violent crimes. Mm -hmm. So I met a lot of people that were very serious about ministry. Mm -hmm. And what should have been an opportunity to share 10 different times, God opened up an opportunity to share over 40 times. Mm. And there were so many salvations so many deliverances, so many opportunities to preach the word, that when I left, I was asked to come back again. Okay. And then the Lord made that from 40 to 80 within a six-week period. Non-secular, secular platforms, high schools, middle schools, juvenile halls, detention camps, prisons, recovery homes, women's reintegration centers, mm-hmm. churches from... Pentecostal to Baptist to Adventist to um, Catholic and I was passing Crusher Stadium Mm -hmm. and the Lord spoke to my heart and said son I want you to crush the head of the enemy at Crusher Stadium so that was now an opportunity for me to speak to the gentleman who became the ministry facilitator Roy Fankhauser and say we're going to have a revival at Crusher Stadium Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned that several people, like yourself, 
and like you, David, had, you know, um, anointed in God's word, drenched with God's love, um, we're praying for a revival, mm -hmm. praying for outreach, mm -hmm. praying for it. So we had about 30 churches, 150 volunteers, and praise the Lord, it was, it was amazing. And, um, and then I was told, you know, you can't go. And um, something happened in the interim of that uh, where I had the honor, I guess the, I want to say the honor and the privilege of, of on the ordered footsteps, you know, of uh, meeting a young man in a university hospital. And it was so unique because you know how, you know, it's always a perpetual movement. Mm -hmm. And when I made the decision to leave Los Angeles to come here to do the revival, I had two or three weeks that I could just take my time. It wasn't a big deal. My place was already being ready for me. And um, I had done the right thing, and I went to all the different churches where I've been so blessed to be, you know, under their uh, roof and under mm -hmm. their covering. And uh, they prayed me out. They prayed for Northeast Ohio. Mm -hmm. They knew it was the hand of God. And I closed shop and covered my bases and led my family to Christ, which was one of the most important things to me. Um, as I say, God does answer prayers, and he does keep his promises. Mm -hmm. So they're all on their way to heaven, praise the Lord. And um, we have weekly Bible studies, which is amazing. Um, and I got here in a day and a half. And so Roy was like, why did you get here so quick? Mm, he said, I would expect you for two more weeks. I said, I don't know. Protein bars, water, <laughs> well, and foot on the gas. Oh, well, you just drive it. <laughs> here I am, yeah. I had another. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, you drove that. Oh, yeah. Down. Okay, I wasn't following. In a day yet. and a half. Okay. From Los Angeles to Northeast Ohio, <laughs> in the snow, in the rain, you know, and nonstop. I mean, nonstop. You know, up in Colorado, through the mountains, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and just. Uh, I had a, another gentleman that I was discipling at the time. He came with me. And um, I got to Roy's house, and Roy said to me, David, would you be willing to go down to University Hospital and pray for a young man who uh, is just a gift to everyone that mm -hmm. he meets? And I'm relatives with his father. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you call the father up and you get his permission, I would take my ministry team down there, and I would be honored to pray for him. And we went down there, and you know, because of my tattoos and everything else, sure. and, and the couple of gentlemen that went from word on the street, mm -hmm. which are anointed African American that have their own ministry, mm -hmm. they came with me, and uh, we walked in there, and uh, you know, I think they thought we came to rob the hospital, <laughs> you know, and I gave my credentials, and um, I walked into this room, and I saw a man who was definitely um, not only in love with his son, but in love with God. And he met me at the door. And his son was asleep. He had been taking uh, shots for mm -hmm. cancer to yeah. try to kill mm -hmm. the cancer. Uh, but they couldn't kill his spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, so with his permission, uh, there, was, there was nurses there that were crying. and they were, I think they were praying at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to pray over him. Sure. And when I was praying over him, he woke up. He woke up. And when he did, he looked at, at me like, where have you been? Mm. What took you so long? And I, 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 I'll never forget that look. And then he, he started to dance in his bed with mm. his shoulders. Mm. And he reached up and he grabbed my, my, my face and, and, and he pulled me down close to him with the biggest smile, just lit up the room. Mm. And as I was praying for him, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to that, that very private part of your heart mm -hmm. uh, and said, I'm about to take him home. Mm -hmm. You need to stand by and you need to sow into this family 
Don't be intrusive. Don't get in the way. Right. Send biblical scriptures. Call them up. That's part of your ministry. And I heard it. It was audible. So one of the other ministers anointed, Michael T. George, uh, who went to St. Ed's. Mm -hmm. I think he was the first young man to go mm -hmm. to St. Ed's that was on the football team that uh, had Down syndrome. Right. And, uh, you know, in the 16 years that he was on this earth, he brought so much joy, so much love, so much laughter mm -hmm. to everybody he met. Right. And um, he was actually the light of the world. Mm -hmm. and, and, and his wife, Chrissy, you know, Chrissy. His mom. George. Yeah, Tony's. Tony's yeah, right. mom, mm -hmm. Tony's wife, right. and, and Michael's, Michael's mom. mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a strong praying woman from mm -hmm. a Baptist background. Her father was a Baptist preacher. So, um, and it's so strange. You know, uh, they have, you know, David and Julia were part of triplets, you know, um, that are now 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, we become like family. Yeah, that's amazing. And, 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 and it's, it, it, it is absolutely story. amazing. And through that, several people have had a come to Jesus moment. Okay. So it was like God said, this is your home, Northeast Ohio. This is where you're going to stay. This is where you're going to plant seeds. And this is where you're going to learn to be obedient. And you're going to continue to sacrifice. And although, yes, you may be lonely, through my Holy Spirit, you're never alone. So what, is, what do you anticipate in the future? What do you feel God has put in your heart? And then I want to come to you, Ed. Maybe you can share it a little bit. Absolutely, too. Okay. absolutely. Um, well, you know, Northeast Ohio has been amazing to me. I'll just be real with it. It absolutely amazing. And if it wasn't for this COVID and this coronavirus, yes. and, and I want to put it out there, this too will soon pass. Mm -hmm. I believe that God's just getting our attention. Mm -hmm. Separating the wheat from the tares. Oh, my name is on your lips, but your heart is far from mm -hmm. me. Choose this day whom you will serve. Yes. Hold on through the storm so that you can be reborn. And um, I'm just honored to say that I'm uh, officially the outreach pastor at Ascent Church. Okay. With Dr. Paul mm -hmm. and uh, Pastor Patty and uh, Pastor Jordan and, and the rest of the people that are there at that mm -hmm. church, mm -hmm. which has been a real blessing. And um, also um, looking to do... Uh, Children ministry and and being a um, director of outreach and evangelism for collaborative ministries, which is Bishop Omar's mm -hmm. ministry, which is non-denominational, and uh, one church in Alaria under mm -hmm. Pastor Marius Morton, mm -hmm. and another church in Sheffield, wow. and been able to minister all over Lorraine and Alaria mm. and um, all over Cleveland That's and great. everywhere else. So to answer your question, John. Um, I just continue to walk through the doors that God opens. Okay. I don't get discouraged by the ones He closes. Um, and uh, Joe Farini of oh, yeah. uh, I know Joe. Uh, John Seventeen Movement mm -hmm. and R two R two D two. For John Miranda, uh, Joe has kind of taken me under his wing, and, and we've broken down books on uh, evangelism mm -hmm. and on ministry. So uh, God has allowed me now to minister to ministers open up regions and territories to um, be all things to all people mm -hmm. and uh, he truly does use the foolish to confound the wise. That's right. What's about? Yeah. Uh, that, go on David. Yeah, so with everything going on especially now you know one of the big questions I get you know people are locked in their homes there's a ton of anxiety um, there's a ton of things that have been stopped that people were trying to do the past, you know, 10 months. Um, with everything that you're trying to do, how do you stay positive? And how do you stay targeted on what you're doing in the Lord? I mean, where do you get your energy? And, and how do you get revitalized when you are feeling down? Like, like what is your program? Yeah, that's, 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 that's just an awesome question. And I've often thought about that. For me to sit up here and say that I haven't gotten depressed that I haven't wanted to throw in the towel. But like Peter said, where am I going to go? Mm. I mean, I know the transformative power of God firsthand. And I also know what the enemy brings. 
that they came to kill, steal, and destroy. It's the father of all lies. Mm -hmm. So that being my choice, I just uh, say I'm not putting on the full armor of man. Uh, I'm going to continue to wear the full armor of God. Uh, and sometimes we have to have a giant in front of us to bring the David out of us. So I think that um, fellowship, staying close to believers, mm -hmm. uh, staying in your word. Every day I read the word and I ask God to uh, repair my frontal lobe and to pierce my heart mm -hmm. with his living word. Mm -hmm. I also invite all the angelic angels into the room, all the warring, the healing, the ministering, the ones that take charge over each and every one of us that are assigned to us personally. Um, and I read to them when I read the word. Uh, I always, uh, I'm sowing into people that are suicidal, that are in uh, relationships that are violent, that are uh, alcoholic, mm. that are uh, drug, you know, addicted to drugs. So, um, you know, because I'll answer the phone and, you know, there's three hours difference between here in L.A. and then all over the country. Um, and also, um, I, I want to give your listeners a really nice ministry that uh, the Lord put on my heart where it costs nothing and you don't have to drive anywhere. But if you just um, go to your contacts and you, and you ask God to give you a prayer for people that are hurting, for people that are addicted, for people that are broken, for people that are going through um, this COVID, that are in the hospital, they're on their deathbed, yeah. you know, um, and, and then you put it on your own contact. And then if you do that, then you can go to Facebook or you can mm -hmm. go to some of these other social platforms. There's people all day asking for prayer. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is mm -hmm. take that prayer, copy it in, and you're helping people. Because it's really, to me, somebody asked me this, you know, with the drug stores being open and the liquor stores being open and, and, and the smoke shops being open and the strip bars being open and, and um, you know, and now they're trying to call churches unessential, that they're not important, they're not critical to the advancement and development of going to heaven. Um, so it's very challenging times that we're living in, and I find that people will go to other places like pornography, drugs, alcohol, spousal abuse, because they need something to hold on to. They need something to gravitate to. So I would say in that arena, which I've learned to do, is I ask God when no one else is watching, I like to call it the privacy of my own humanity, um, to be strong, to, to always put him first, to wake up in prayer, go to bed in prayer, no matter what your day yeah. is like. And all throughout the day, open-eyed prayers. God, I need you. I need you to go before me. I need you to speak through me. And I don't understand why us as believers, when we see God's word being manifested, we're surprised by it. Doesn't the Bible talk about mm -hmm. wars and rumors of wars and, and, and families against families and kingdoms against kingdoms? And Matthew, uh, I think it's... 24. Yeah, 24. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, we have to be, like it says in um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we have to fellowship. Don't we forsake the assembly. Encourage yeah. it. Mm -hmm. We That's have to have... Yeah, we have to lift each other up. So I tell people, don't walk around with a spiritual glass jaw. There you go. You know, keep <laughs> keep your guard up, and and uh, ask ask God to um, to always always it is be a your go-to. Yeah, you, you, you had your fists up. It yeah, is I, a I wanted battle. to switch yeah, just ahead. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Ed, yeah. Would you like to share? I mean, we're happy that you're here today, and I, I just anything on your heart about your own life, your testimony, you want, or what? If you want to say anything about your background too, whatever you like. Okay. Um, I was a martial artist uh, forever and a day. All my life I grew up doing training. And, and um, I've always had a pulling on my heart. Mm -hmm. And you asked me if I had found, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't necessarily a troubled kid, but I was always uh, true to my word and my, and my morals. Mm -hmm. Things that um, crossed my path and sometimes I didn't handle it the right way. Sure. But, um, you know, I was always had that calling and that pull. And my training at that time, I felt, was contrast to the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. That was new to me yet, and I 
was raised Catholic mm-hmm. and and um, I found um, you know uh, the word to be powerful. But I also realized that um, there was so much more out there. Mm-hmm. And I I've later found in life uh, through my own I'm as as a, as a the Lord's worked with me in such a way. I'm very analytical. Mm-hmm. What I do, what happens, the moment I'm in, I live for that because I want to learn from it. That's good. And um, that's what kind of gave me the talent that I have because I sat down and did the due diligence homework and the training into performing, being better, and just kind of always working on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, I was 29 when um, I got uh, arrested for my first time ever problems with the law sure. and, and doing having to do 10 years. 10 years. And I, I did, uh, I, I had to think about it. It's been about six and a half, close to seven at Mansfield is where okay. I was. And um, my point was, is I felt then, because I was a culture shock mm. and kind of couldn't believe this was happening. Yeah, right. And, and um, the Lord kind of manifested itself in, with me and and I realized that I know why I'm here, but uh, the truth is, is that, you know, I could never judge anybody else, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and that was my challenge for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what you did, regardless of what you did, I'm not here to judge you, mm-hmm. you understand, I'm here to work on me, because mm-hmm. the Lord says, mm-hmm. you're kind of habitual, you kind of revert back to things that you know, and, and as, as we all are, to sure. some degree, sure. or fashion, but. I, I realized that, you know, I'm sitting there doing all this time in the county waiting for my sentencing day. Mm-hmm. And the, the truth is, is that I was sitting there just calling people all the time, kind of reaching out and trying to touch base and, and nervous, but anxiety and not knowing and, and so on and so forth. And um, all of a sudden, the Lord says, you know what? I've had enough of that. And no one else was answering the phone. Oh, okay. So now what do you do when you're reaching out? You understand? I had an epiphany done to me um, years ago. I was about 24. And I I was training all the time, seven days a week, and it was nonstop. It was to the point where you didn't have to think about anything. You just reacted. And um, that's what ultimately, that's what you look for as a self-defense technique. Yes. Mm -hmm. But uh, the problem was is that I was looking out for someone to take me to the next level. And I didn't know where to look, where to find, who to ask, anything. And you kind of a little, uh, you hold back because you don't want people to think differently of you. So you got to pursue it in such a way. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is my instructor calls me up one time, and this is a, tes- a testimony um, that I'd like to share, is that he calls me and says, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I says, well, um, I'm at home right now, just kind of relaxing. He says, why don't you meet me on Thursday? He says to me um, at the studio, I says, all right. He says, how many bricks did you break last time? I says, for the requirement was two, but I did three. He says, okay. How'd you feel? I said, I felt good. He says, come on over. I said, okay. So I came over on a Thursday, and he worked construction as well. He comes over there, and he says to me, mind grabbing that stuff out the truck for me and setting them up? I said, yes, sir. And I was eager to help rush over there and you grab it and you stack it up. I got cinder blocks and I said, how many would you like up there, sir? And he says, uh, ah, put six up there. And I was like, oh, he's going to show me something. Uh-huh. Right? So I was excited. I put it up and said, all done, sir. And he rushes over and he says, you all right? He says, you ready? I go, yes. And he goes, break it. Oh. I didn't know it was setting up for me. Yeah. So I walked over there because he believed in me. I'm, not, I'm a person that doesn't do nothing for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing anything for anybody. Right. But for myself, it's a little different, and sometimes I'm a little lazy. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, go ahead and break that. I walked over there, and in my mind, because he requested it, I walked over there, I broke that stack a thousand times in my head mm. before I got there. Okay. So I went over there, and I blew it up. And it went from 6 to 10 to 12 to 32. Whoa. All within a matter of four weeks. I sat there and I had this epiphany hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. Yeah. And the point is, is that if this man can believe in me, why can't I believe in myself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I stretched that on to sit there and say, the good Lord, the Father of all, mm -hmm. he wants the best for you. Yes. Who am I to doubt that? Right. Understand. So that so, change, that was the change in your life. That was a big epiphany. Since then, I never turned back mm. as far as the martial arts go. And then your relationship with Jesus. Was, was ever more potent when I had those spiritual trials. I see. And I, I, I didn't know what to do because it was new to me, but I was all alone in that cell. So I sat there and I reached out and I prayed every day. And I sat there in my rack when I woke up, and the first thing I did was open up my daily bread. Mm -hmm. And I researched it in the Bible, and I read it. I said my prayers. And then to start my day, I would roll over off, off the bed, straight onto the floor, and do my 100 push-ups. That was my ritual. So you had a disciplined life? Pretty much, yeah. yes. So now much. you two guys, like a Paul Barnabas kind of missionary <laughs> team here, how did you guys link up and, and how do you yeah. work together when you do ministry? Go ahead, Ed. I'm going to let you Bill say. Glass. I was in oh, Bill I, Glass. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was dealing with um, a prison fellowship with mm -hmm. Richard Swiger. Okay. He's a good friend of mine, also my singer in, in the band. Yeah, a good friend of mine as well. Is that right? Yeah, yes. uh, uh, Stillwood Drive. We're on Facebook. But he... He came, he calls me up, he says, hey, Ed, how would you like to feel about, because he was my, he was in, we were incarcerated together, and we started writing Christian music then. Was that right? So he, he reaches out to me, and he says, hey, uh, how would you feel about playing more music? I said, I'd love to, because I, I, I actually learned to play in prison. What did you play? Uh, guitar. Okay. Uh, rhythm and lead. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I prayed on us, Lord, uh, my mom's always wanted me to play music. I never had time for it. I always wanted to do the karate stuff. But uh, so what happens is she comes out to me and I, I said, man, I'm doing this time and I'm hurting my mom, you know, and I, I really felt the pain that she, she was going through. So I says, Lord, you know, put it on my heart. Um, I'd like for you to teach me how to play guitar. And if you do that, then I'll go wherever you need me. I'll be your tool. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be there for, for you. And sure enough, that's what happened. Was that right? So, so I uh, later uh, hooked up with Richard Swigers. I said he was a friend of, of Bill Glass, and they invited us on to bring our band. And we have Christian originals. We do. They have a secular sound to them, but uh, it's to draw those people out the cells to see, hey, what's going on over here? It's and out in the yard. Yeah, I remember exactly. The building. So you did you go back to Mansfield? I uh, as a minister? Not yet, but I've been to many other prisons okay. within a while. I was while. just curious. Yeah. And and before Corona hit, we were due to go out the first time to Minnesota and Indiana prisons, okay. which housed uh, some thirty eight hundred prisoners. Boy. So we were excited, but yeah. then Corona hit. Yeah, right. And it put everything at a standstill right now. Sure. No but problem. we still keep in touch, and we still practice and try to do our thing that way. Well, thank you very much, Ed. And before we close, I want you to share. That, that poem that the Lord placed on your heart, uh, David. Absolutely. And then you're going to close us in prayer. But David, you had a, you had a comment. Well, yeah, d just real quick, Ed. So are, are you thinking about becoming a pastor possibly? Uh, or, or are you thinking of, you know, well, what are you thinking now? For your it's future? wherever the, the good Lord okay. takes me, but I'm definitely in it being a community activist. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in helping out people yeah. and, and kind of giving an ear to anyone. Yeah, that's, that's where Ed and I met. Uh-huh. And uh, he's... he's uh, as an obedient uh, uh, child of God, he's seen the anointing that's been on the ministry, uh -huh. so he's come with me. Wonderful. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, discipling Ed and sowing into Ed. Wonderful. That's and, great. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, it's just like a, a brother. You nice, know? nice. And, and God is so good. And I I, I did want to, um, to go into this uh, spoken word. But I have something for your audience. The Lord told me the other day when I was going through some depression, and uh, he had told me, I want you to be bulletproof. And we know um, what bulletproof means. Mm -hmm. Puts on a bulletproof vest and mm -hmm. go into a dangerous situation um, with the security that if you do get shot, it's not a headshot. Right, right. Um, you're going to suffer probably some deep bruising, mm -hmm. maybe some broken bones. Mm -hmm. Chances are you're going to survive. You're going to live. But spiritual bulletproof, I had to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you mean by that? And he told me, just like Job, you know, uh, his wife said, curse God and die. Yeah. Right? And then God said, brace yourself. Stand up like a man because now I'm going to ask you some questions. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? 
Um, he said, no matter what happens to you in your lifetime, you have to rely on me. There you go. Period. That's being bulletproof. Never yeah, that's going yeah. into the world, never tapping out or throwing in the towel, knowing that this does lead to heaven. So, progress. so yeah. spiritually bulletproof. Thank you, David yes, and Ed, thanks, for David. being here. Yeah. This is WNZN Radio, coming to you from mm -hmm. Lorraine, Ohio, 89.1 FM Radio. And we thank you again for the special guest. How about it, David? Today, yes. you know. Thank you very uh, much. For hopefully, we'll have you guys us. back out in the future. If you see Howard before I do, be sure to say hi to Howard Showalter. He's a good friend of mine. But I know David, God has put something on your yes. heart you want to share. And then would you close us Absolutely. in a word of prayer, my friend? Absolutely. Thanks Great. again, Ed, for your word. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So this is called God's Soldier, <laughs> and just to let you know, this was written 17 years ago, and this was when I was suffering through the addictions and the demonic possession and the self-hatred and um, because God uploaded on my heart I was sharing it just a little bit ago at some of the different places I was uh, blessed to preach at and uh, it's a Rima now word okay. uh, it's called God's soldier so it goes um, I'm so honored to say that I'm one of many God's soldiers. And just like each and every one of you, I'm in the continuous battle against the poverty, the sickness, the disease, and all of the sin. But it's now and forever my most honest opinion that none of us before or since have said anything than the Holy Bible has not yet been written. So please take a good look at me, and soon you will see that I am not the one disrespecting no, on the contrary, I am so grateful for all that I've been hearing. So thank you for taking the time to listen to one of God's soldiers' opinions. I know we need to stop our evil ways or we will all burn. I know we need to help out the less fortunate, no matter how much or how little we happen to earn. I know we need to take our time to use our mind. That is a priceless gift just to be able to continue to learn. I know we have to have the patience and the will to once again wait for our turn. But when we look down, it's the same hard and unforgiving ground. And when we look up, your sky is our ceiling. But sometimes we try to crawl inside and do what's right. And we step outside and we open up our eyes. And the truth is, there is robbing and stealing and killing all over this world once again. So when my heart keeps beating, the clock keeps ticking, the walls are closing in. I can't keep from thinking, how can you and I truly be the generation to one day stand and stop the violence and the bleeding? I know we try to speak our mind, but it seems like no one really cares enough to listen. And it's hard to say how you feel from the inside when you're the one, you're left alone and you're out there and you're suffocating. Believe me, I thought I knew who the fingerprints were, but for me, it was too incriminating. For the powers that be, they can't keep on scheming like they caught us sleeping and dreaming. I truly hope and pray there's a change we can all believe in. I know that's the current slogan. Please, my Lord, don't tell me the plan was to leave us weaponless, penniless, homeless, defenseless, while this evil and corruption is infectious, contagious, and yes, it is sadly courageous. Some of you fought and sacrificed for the right of the land of the free, the home of the brave, that's the promise that you gave us. Not to spend our time at home turning colorful pages with a false sense of security. There's a mass crusader or a superhero with enough compassion to save us. They're charting our legacy. It is critical. How will we be viewed throughout our own history? Are they going to say we're left to lies, deception, just another mystery? Or sadly, we'll read once again, we became our own worst enemy. Or finally, in a cause we can all unite and agree, no matter our background, our ethnicity, or our financial stability, but with faith in Jesus Christ, He is the reason we continue to be free. For Jesus taught us, we must speak the truth or say nothing at all. I promise you, it's never a shame to get down on your knees and have to crawl. But you need to trust yourself and others just to let go and fall. But you have to have the faith, the courage, the strength, 
and the will to stand tall and wait for God's call. For the enemy has radioed in. They said they already won. They said there's never been a place called heaven. And for each and every one of us, there is no point in going on. But God's soldier in the battle against sin, you will never take the time to listen to the ill-gotten information from the very demon of all lies, murder, and deception. For he doesn't want you around for the divine intervention. He doesn't want you to know we have the cure right here in God's holy word for this worldly infection. So let's keep on marching in the righteous direction. For yes, we fall to temptation, but we stand strong delivered in our salvation. And this can never be ruled by any dark nation. So just like it was in the beginning, so it will be in the end. You will fall and fail again, angel of sin. So why the clock keeps ticking, your heart keeps beating, and the walls are closing in, I still can't keep from thinking, how can you and I truly be the generation to stand and stop the violence and the bleeding? We need to get off the social network sometimes. The Instagram, the Facebook, the Snapchat, the Twitter. We need to listen when God's Holy Spirit is speaking. We need to put down our fests, our weapons, and our hatred and declare a worldwide truce and stop the unnecessary violence and bleeding. We need to remember our true Heavenly Father in the heart and the soul and the spirit we've been so blessed to be given. And right here today, Make a promise to start the healing. And that'll be the one way, one day, we will be the generation to stand and stop the violence and the bleeding. For always remember, no heart would ever beat and no one would ever even breathe if in our final, desperate, darkest hour of need, Jesus Christ, God's word in flesh, did not make the choice to leave his throne in heaven pick up the heavy and deadly cross on Calvary, and for each and every one of us, be beaten, tortured, and slowly bleed. And all he ever asks of us in return is that in him, God the Father, and his Holy Spirit, we continue to believe. So as I live and breathe, until this battle is over, I am honored to say I am just one of many God's soldiers. So we could all just bow our head and close our eyes. And I just want to let you know, just one human being to another, no more anointed, no more favored, no more gifted, or no more blessed than anybody who's listening. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, that if you can just cry out and say, Lord, I need you right here, right now. If I made you upset, if I've disappointed you, if I made you angry, if I didn't believe in you, this is the moment, this is the time, this is the place, and I want to confess you. I may not know a lot about you. I may not have read, never even read the Bible. But right here, right now, I want you to take over my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want to have a relationship with you. And if that's you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, understand that greater is he that is in us that is in the world, and no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you are more than a conqueror. And with God, all things are possible. So this is your moment. And if you've already given your life to Christ, and you're walking the right walk, and you're fighting the good fight, then let's rededicate. Because I know that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, saved only by <coughs> His grace. So right here, right now, let's just ask Jesus into our heart. Anybody who's sick, anybody who's hurting, anybody who's in the hospital, anybody who's living with depression and confusion, know there is a place, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. All old things have passed away. Everything is new again. Let's hold on to that promise. So please repeat this simple prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner in desperate need 
of the only risen Savior. Father, I now confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I believe he left heaven. I believe he defeated sin and death. And I believe he was thrown in a tomb and his father took him home in three days. And he is risen. And he's coming back soon to take me home. And everything I have and all that it will ever be, I fully give to you. And if you said that prayer, make sure that if it's for your first time that you go to a church where you feel the Holy Spirit, where they preach God's word from the living Bible. And if you're just rededicating your life, don't live in shame, don't live in pain, don't live in doubt, don't live in fear. Alcoholism, drug addiction, suicide, spousal abuse is through the roof right now. It's because we feel that because we can't go into a building that we can't have a relationship. And I'll let you know right here, right now, the relationship is in you. So God bless you, and thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you again, David and Ed, for being our guests today. And also, David Abu, thanks for being here. Great to be here. We thanks, David. This is thanks, WNZM Radio coming to you, 89.1 FM. Thank you, guys. God bless you all, and thanks for tuning in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.